Welcome everyone to episode 53 of Kowalski Analysis. I'm your host, Rob Kowalski. And tonight's guest is none other than Tim Ferrara. Tim is currently the executive pastor at LifePoint Church in Arizona, a great state that I was in a couple years ago. And he's worked in business management for over 24 years. He started the ministry of discerning dad to help Christians make decisions that honor God. He has a book and a podcast called Everyday Discernment, which is a top-ranked Christian podcast on the Charisma and Edify podcast networks. And he's interviewed some really big guests in the Christian world. I can't wait to hopefully meet some of those people myself and uh, invite him as guest on the show. But Tim and his wife, Jamie, have been married for over 15 years, and they have two children. So before I bring in Tim, quickly just want to announce my sponsor, and that is Mr. Micah Hughes. And Micah is a good friend of mine. He also does everything real estate. So if you're looking to buy a home, sell a home, uh, or just get into real estate investing, you can give Mike a call at 443-532-8450. If you're in the Delmarva area, he will give you a lot of personal attention. He'll meet with you. He'll help you get a, a plan. If, but even if you're not in the Delmarva area, he can work with you over the phone. And I'll put his email address in the show notes as always. So without further ado, let's bring in Tim. Welcome to the show, Tim Ferrara. How are you doing? Good, man. Thanks for having me on. I'm pumped to be here. I'm excited to be on the show and I'm great. We could, I'm happy that we could connect. Yeah. I'm really excited to talk about this topic of discernment, something I'm pretty passionate about. So, yeah, me too, man. I, I, it's, yeah, I'll go into it, but I'm glad that I'm thankful for what you're doing. It's funny who you can meet online and you connect with their stuff. And we've had similar guests on and a little bit different vision, but still marching to the same beat and getting people closer to God and stuff. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm thankful for connections is one of the awesome things from just having a ministry and doing a podcast. Yeah, you're right. It's amazing. The people you get to meet. I heard Gary V say something about podcasts and he said, it's imagine if you were in a graduating class of 150 people at your high school and you were like, Maybe you were 120th in coolness. So you're like towards the bottom, but then yeah. you throw a big party and all the cool kids come to your party. He's like, automatically you moved up to like 45. You know, like <laughs> that's what a podcast does. It's like automatically right. it, it elevates your uh, perceived value is what I've heard somebody describe it as. It yeah. does. It, it certainly does. And it's, I've had people endorse my book that I would have never met if it wasn't for the podcast. Shannon Etheridge, she wrote, wrote Every Woman's Battle. John Gray, uh, mm. author of Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, both endorsed my book. And I would have never even known these people had I not had a podcast. Yeah. Yeah, same here, man. Just the connections and people that just said yes. And people are like, how did you get that person on? And it's, it seems so trivial to say I just invited them, but that's a lot of times what it is. And they're just so gracious to come on. And I think they remember what it's like to start out as well. And they're just like, hey, I'll, I'll give you a helping hand, whether it's an endorsement or just come on the show. And that's awesome. You think about celebrities when they have a movie coming out, they do the talk shows, they do the circuit promoting their show. So it's like a smaller version of that. Obviously, a lot smaller. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not. You got, I saw you have a lot of reviews. Actually, while I'm thinking about that, if you're out there and you're watching this podcast, please go leave me a, a five-star review on Apple or Google or wherever you're consuming this podcast, because that helps me get bigger guests. I've only got 15 uh, reviews and I need more. I don't really try. This is one of the rare times I'm going to ask you, but I would really appreciate it if you did that. Yeah, it goes a long way. And it really takes just a, a couple seconds. Even if you don't leave comments, if you just hit the stars, it literally takes you two seconds. I've timed it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And go to Tim's podcast as well. Discerning. Everyday discernment. Everyday discernment. I want to say this. That's the ministry. Okay. Everyday yeah. discernment. Leave him a five-star review as well. That'd be awesome. Okay. Yeah, thank you. You're in Arizona. It's 117 today. Pray for me. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. 
it's, but it's dry heat, right? So that helps. It's dry. Right? Yeah, it's dry. Uh, e East Valley, around Mesa, south of Mesa, <clears throat> town called Santan Valley, little town, but it's growing. It's one of the fastest growing cities in the state and probably the country at this point. So a lot of people from California coming over and yeah, it's growing by leaps and, leaps and bounds. So it's pretty exciting. Mass exodus of California right now. I'm telling you. <laughs> Who in the hell elected these people? Man. <laughs> like, yeah. like, oh my gosh. I was looking at an Instagram page yesterday called Street People of Los Angeles. Another one's called Gutter People. Of Los and it is insane what's going on there. And they're allowing it. Oof. Yeah, and the people stealing mass, just the amount of stealing that they're they're doing and, and they can't do anything about it. I was watching videos of people just loading up bags, the security watching them, and they just leave. And that's why I think Walgreens is not going to be in uh, San Francisco. They shut down 13 stores or something like that in San Francisco because they're like, we're out. We can't do this. Maybe a CVS, but one of the stores like that. All those jobs are gone. Less opportunity for people. Anyway, I know that's not what we're here to talk about. but <laughs> So I was in Arizona two years ago. I was in Phoenix. And then I went to, I went to Red Rock or Sedona for, for half of the day, drove to a, a town called Jerome. Really little, cool. Little town. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah. Like on the side of a mountain, it used to be a copper mining town or something, I think. Yeah. It's amazing uh, how many small towns I've lived here most of my life. And there's still small towns I hear of. I was like, I didn't realize that was there. So how big is your, it's about a thousand people pre pandemic. And now it's about four or 500 plus a live stream. So. That's awesome. Are you part of ARC or any of those groups? No, we're non-denominational. We're connected with some local churches, but we're not connected to a specific denomination. When did you know you wanted to be a pastor? About six months ago. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're kidding. Yeah. So I grew, I went to college, uh, got my master's, and then I started in retail at 16, pushing carts. And then after college, I, I went to management and I've been doing retail management my entire life. And it was a crazy story where I grew up as a pastor's kid. My dad's a pastor. My wife's dad is a pastor. So I've been involved in church my entire life. I've been on the elder board of churches. I've been involved in serving, that kind of stuff. And it really came down to you know, 2020, some of the challenges with working retail and thinking to myself, well, here I'm in my, starting in my 40s. I can't do retail another 10, 15 years of my life. <laughs> And it really came to a point where it, with discernment, which we're talking about, one of the biggest decisions I had to make was last year with a big career change. I worked at the same job for 24 years, so I'm not a huge risk taker. But at the same time, there was an, an intense calling in my life when I started the ministry of discerning dad about two and a half years ago, I knew that I, I God was calling me to full-time ministry and I didn't know what that looked like. And I started blogging and then it, which led to a book, which led to a podcast. And I'm thinking to myself, is this going to be a full-time thing? And, and right. turns out like, I'm still able to do it, but the opportunity to become a pastor came out last summer, which led to a huge process of discernment and figuring out, is this your will, God? Because just because it's an open door doesn't mean it's the open door I'm supposed to go through. And so that led to just a lot of prayer and fasting and going before God and saying, is this something that I'm supposed to do? And sure enough, months later, and my wife knew right away, she was like, this is it. This is what you're supposed to do. And I'm like, let's see. I, I appreciate your feedback. And I, I, I love that we have to be on the same page to begin with. But at the same time, I wanted to make sure for a big decision like this to be financially responsible for my family. And also James 3.1 says people in ministry will be judged harshly. So I don't want to jump into a position like a pastor and then not take it seriously. But sure enough, God was very, very clear on this is the step I'm supposed to go. And it's been an awesome journey. And it's still, it's been an executive pastor. So I'm able to take the business knowledge that I have and use it for the church environment, the operations of the church, the financial uh, processes, the discipleship of the other pastors, that kind of stuff. So I'm absolutely loving it. That's awesome, man. That's really cool. 
how long has the church been around? I was, cause I was going to say, wow, you grew to a thousand people in six months, man. No, yeah. So many pastors envious of you, but no, but yeah, it's been around for a while, about 11 years in our current building. And then it was in a, a, a school for about five years before that. So that's fun. That's awesome, man. Hey, Rob Kowalski here. When I first got serious about living intentionally and becoming a better version of myself, I found a major shortage of things to do and people to do them with. And it was the loneliness and boredom that led me to starting city fan. So I just want to take a moment right now and encourage you to go over and join the city fan Facebook community. It's a free Facebook group and in it, you'll find purpose-driven people from all over the world that want to enjoy life to the fullest. You can search it on Facebook or you can go to www.friendswithbetterbenefits.com and it'll take you right there. While I'm mentioning it, if you're single searching for real love, love before sex, as I like to say, I want to encourage you to join the waiting works community. That's another free Facebook group. I, put together designed to help people wait well, date well, and ultimately hit the mark in life and love. And you can go to www.reallovewaits.com and I'll see you over there. Now back to the episode. So I want to talk about, let's talk about the ministry first. So discerning yeah. dad, what, what led you to starting that? Yeah, it was very much, I would say just a call from God in a moment. So I was in, I remember the church service I was in, I was in, I was listening to the message. It was on the gifts of the spirit. And we were encouraged to take like a spiritual gifts test, which you can take online to figure out which spiritual gifts you have. And I knew that mine has been discernment from doing this before, but I took it again. And then the next Sunday, it was almost like a download from heaven. I would call it to me. It was like, Hey, you should start a ministry and call it discerning dad. It was very clear. And I didn't know what that meant. I hadn't done any writing. I hadn't started anything online. I actually, at that point in my life, wanted to quit social media completely. I'm not even joking. I wanted to delete Facebook, delete Instagram, all this stuff. And God was calling me back to it to shed a light in these uh, platforms where people are just scrolling through and maybe they can see a Bible verse and be encouraged and be closer to God. And so I started this journey of just, I went home that day. I started just writing in a journal, had short-term, long-term stretch goals. On there was a book and a podcast someday, which I thought, ha, huh, this will never happen. And then God's laughing in the behind the scenes, like, hey, what do you know? And so then about six months later, led to a book called Everyday Discernment. And then in summer of 2020, a podcast by the same name. So it's been an awesome journey of just being faithful. My whole thing was like, if just a couple people get closer to God because of what I'm doing, then it's a success in my eyes. Yeah. And so it's hard to get, it's hard to not look at numbers, to not be driven by success from the worldly standpoint. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to grow and, and have more followers and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, God honors obedience more than success from the world's eyes. And so I always want to be, be obedient. If God tells me to scrap everything I'm doing tomorrow, then I have to be obedient in doing it. I, this can't be an idol to me, even though I'm doing things for God, it can't replace God. I was checking out your Instagram page and it's on point, man. Your content's really good. Honestly, Thank you. a few pastors have it down as, as good as you do. So everybody go check them out on, on uh, Instagram. It's discerning dad, right? Yep. Discerning yeah. dad. And then, no, I think it's so important what you just mentioned about, I've often said, I've went through long periods of being probably miserable to stay in the center of God's will. There are definitely things he's taken me through where I just didn't, I didn't want to be working there. I didn't want to be spending my day. Like even now I'd say there's, I, I work 14 or 15 hours every day mm. and I'm a, and I'm a visionary. So I like to be out and I'm in an office because of, you know, what, just where the season that I'm in right now, I'd rather be miserable and stay in the center of God's will than to be off because you're never going to get the, the miracle if you're not in the center. And I posted recently too, and this was on my heart, is that God will often give you the victory, but you have to go through the battle. And I, I, you look at the Israelites and they had to take the land 
But that wasn't that they just were able to sit back with their arms crossed saying, God, do it for me. No, he equipped them. He gave them the victory, but they still had to go through the battle. And there's so many times in our life when we have a battle and God may give you the victory. It might be a health battle, financial battle, a marriage battle, but you have to go through the battle and God might deliver you supernaturally, or it might be a process. He might use a doctor to heal you. He might use someone that might just give you a windfall of money, even though it doesn't happen too often. A lot of times we have to be, have discernment with our decisions and make the right decisions. Otherwise we go down a path that when, then we ask to deliver us from our decision-making and he's where, why didn't you reach out to me when you had that decision to make and that you did it in your own effort. And yeah. that's a big part of discernment is making decisions that honor God and not just doing them in our own mind and our own will, but asking God what he wants us to do. And instead of asking for, you know, forgiveness and for help later to take us out of a position we got ourselves in. Right. Sure. So much wasted time when you're not letting God steer. So do you, would you, do you think the sermon is rare in the church? I wouldn't say that we make, and I I've researched this. I didn't do it myself. We make over 40,000 decisions a day which seems insane if you think about it, but it's breaking it down to the minute details, you know, where to go, what to say, how to, what toothpaste to use. And those decisions we can do in our own effort. God equips us with a mind, with knowledge, with things that we glean from our history of just being alive. And we make tons of decisions. We're going to get them wrong. But at the same time, I call discernment like a spiritual muscle, which should improve over time. You should, if you make a wrong mistake, now you're going to learn from that. You're going to hopefully improve, not make the same mistake twice. And so our whole journey is a process, is a, pro a road of sanctification as we're on our Christian race. And so there will be times that we all mess up, but it's like, what do you do with that knowledge once you mess up? Are you going to keep down that path that you know is wrong for you? Or are you going to do a 180? Go on the path that God has for you on the narrow road that doesn't look like what the world is on. And uh, a lot of times, so that's what, that's why I say with discernment, there's a wide range of it, but it's, it is an avenue that I saw that there's not a lot of people talking about discernment specifically. When I look online, and if you look at the discernment hashtag, a lot of it's through either Catholic priests talking about discernment or it's new age talking about discernment and manifestation and all these things. Yeah. So I saw a need in Christianity for talking about discernment and making sure that uh, people know that, hey, every day, just because you made a great decision a month ago, a year ago, doesn't mean that you're exempt from making good decisions today. And so that's why we need discernment every day, hence the name Everyday Discernment. That's good. It's, you mentioned like the narrow path versus what the world, what it looks like for the world. Because I was thinking about my own life. Like my life is so abnormal, I think about, and I've really <laughs> done a my best to follow God. As soon as I met him, right from the jump, I got you know this amazing experience where I was baptized in the Holy Spirit nice. and had no discernment at the time. But he sat me down for a year and a half and didn't let me work. And I remember just waiting. I didn't know what I was waiting for, but I was waiting for him to tell me what to do next. Mm -hmm. And some of the biggest, like most life-altering decisions in my life, it eventually did come, but it was like this little whisper, man. And yeah. so I'll just think back like, I could have so easily missed it if I wasn't really leaning in trying to listen. Mm -hmm. And I wonder, that's why I wonder, is it, you know, common in the church because the people make decisions in their intellect or their, what they can perceive with their, their five senses. And I believe the devil is sensible. Like he's going to tell you things that seem to make sense to do yeah. something, maybe the opposite of God's will. Or I read a quote here recently. Actually, I'm going to read it to you. He said, uh, I think it was Charles Spurgeon. Yeah. It said, yeah, and I got this off of your, your Amazon page. Sermon is not simply a matter of telling the difference between what is right and wrong. Rather, it's the difference between right and almost right. Yeah. And I was like, man, that's good. Because 
the devil will tell you something, do something. God will tell you to do something that maybe doesn't make sense. And you'll be like, how's that going to work out? Or why, why has he got me sitting down for a year and a half? This doesn't make sense. Shouldn't I be out doing, but he's going to, he's got a whole nother perspective of your, your situation. And yeah, I just, I wonder how many people are really leaning in and following on that level, not just making decisions based off of their own, their intellect or their five senses. I've watched Pro uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Yeah. I think that a lot of people lean on their own understanding and make decisions just based off a of, lot. Obviously I do this. Yeah, hundred percent. And you're right where a lot of times it's not the difference between right and wrong per se. It's that little twisting on the truth. And Satan doesn't come at your door saying, Hey, let's go to Satanism. Let's play with Ouija boards. Like, obviously if you have a foundation, you're going to say no to those things, but it's a little twistings in your life. It's okay to be angry at your spouse. It's okay to spend money that you don't have on things. It's okay to be frivolous and not be good stewards of what God's given you. It's okay to not pray today because you're busy. Okay. You need a nap. It's okay that you didn't read your Bible for a week. Like all these little things we start compromising from things that we want to do. And it's those little decisions that lead us down a path where, you know, a month or two months or a year down the road, we're like, how did we get here? Small decisions over time. And that's why it's so important that this is one of the things like when I started this is that you look at decisions and the people that make the same wrong decisions that have been made for years and centuries and generations. You just look in the news, like how did someone get involved in this, right? How did someone lead to a life of promiscuity or lead to a life where they now committed murder? Uh, right. All these extreme examples, but it's, it's not that someone just decided overnight, Hey, I'm going to go. It's over the course of their life. It led them to a place that seemed like they were hopeless, that there was a point of no return. Right. And that's even as Christians, what we have to avoid is getting to a place where Hey, I'm going to look at this picture because it gives me pleasure. Well, at least I'm not looking at porn. And now before you know it, you're going down this path that is not a path of holiness, which we should all be striving for. And so whether it's, I'm going to go to bed angry, we're not going to resolve this with my spouse. And then a week passes, I'm still angry. Now I'm going to show violence. Now I'm going to start manipulating. Now I'm going to start looking at this person at work that is giving me the attention. All these little things start small. And then grow. It's like a snowball at the top of the hill. Before you know it, it's bam, rushing at you and you can't stop it. And so that's where we have to be strategic every single day, go before God and keep our eyes on Jesus. Yeah. So how do people, like somebody's just listening to this and they're like, well, how do I know if I'm hearing from God? Like, how do I hear God's voice? Because this is probably going to be pretty new to some people that are listening. Yeah. How do you, are there like practical steps that you tell people to follow in order to yeah. increase their sensitivity to God's voice? Yeah. Three main Sources of discernment is the Bible, number one. That's our foundation. That's where we can go to for, for everything. The Bible is living and active. So even if you read it once, you can keep reading it and still get something new from it because the Holy Spirit inside of you as a Christian can quicken things to you in the moment as you're reading the Bible. And it can also get the Bible, not just reading the Bible for knowledge, but also getting the Bible in you. So when you are out doing things, you can remember what you read and then now apply it. There's so many things that we get for knowledge sake without application sake. And that's a big thing that Christians in general, myself included, we have so much knowledge. I and mean, you think about the amount of sermons that are out there, there's no shortage of knowledge, but it's the application of it that a lot of times we fail to get. And the other part is the Holy Spirit inside of us and then godly relationships. So I talk about discernment as spirit infused decision-making. So anyone can have discernment with just the knowledge that they have and make a great decision. But the difference with godly discernment is having the Holy Spirit inside of you to sometimes quicken things in the moment. I think about the movie, The Matrix, where he goes back and all the bullets are coming and then time slows down and he's able to move out of the way. That's how the Spirit quickened things to us in the moment. So even if you have a short 
time span at work. You have to make a decision in 20 seconds. You can say a five second prayer and say, God, what do you want me to do? And then have a peace about a decision that the Holy Spirit is leading you in instead of just trying to go on your own effort and hope it turns out well. And then the other source of discernment is godly relationships. We need people in our life that can spur us on as iron sharpens iron. You need to be in accountability with people. You need to have people that you can go to and just vent. There's such a, and I found this in my life where I was in a, a period in my life where I was serving in the church, but I didn't have close friends I could go to. And about two, three years ago, we started accountability groups where we meet once a month. We can just talk about whatever, what stays in the group. And especially if you're a man listening to this, I think it's harder because you're like, I'm fine. I don't need anybody. And I think women in general do a lot better job at this where they can talk and then talk about Lord knows what. And then at the same time, they're getting some benefit out of just talking about it. Where men, we might go fishing with somebody and our wives are like, what'd you talk about? And we're like, I don't know, nothing. So we have to be intentional about it and not think of it as a sign of weakness that we need other people because there's people that have gone on before us that have more wisdom than we do that we can rely on. And there's also people that are coming up that aren't as far along as we are that we can disciple. And that's the exciting part is going through things in your life that now you have knowledge about that you can speak into the lives of other people who might be experiencing. Okay. My quiet time in the morning, I'm usually praying and that's usually the longest part as I'll, cause I, I just enjoy it. I just enjoy sitting there, you know, talking with God, reflecting. And that'll be about 45 minutes to an hour, usually. And then I'll read maybe for 10 minutes, five, yeah. 10 minutes. I'll, I'll, and, but going back to the quiet time. So a lot of times, do you hear God speak it in the moment? Sometimes I'll hear God answer in the moment. But a lot of times, and I don't know if this is wrong, is I'll just pray it and I'll just be like, oh, it's, just, it's just me turning it over to him. So I ain't got to hold on to it anymore, worry about it. So it'll yeah. be like some decision I need. I'll be like, God, help me make that decision. I, don't, I might not be waiting for the answer in that moment, but I'll just give it to him and expect him to help me land on the right decision one way or the other. Is that biblical? Yeah, absolutely. There's a term we use a lot, lay at the foot of the cross. And I think that's biblical in the way where we have to just go before God. It says, come boldly to the throne of grace in Hebrews. I think it's Hebrews four. And so we can come boldly before God and not feel like he's this aloof deity that we can't have a relationship with. No, we can come before him every single day, every hour, every minute, whenever we need to, and just lay our burdens before him. And there's a peace that follows when we do that. And a lot of times you may not get this divine answer, this voice from heaven, which I don't get. But at the same time, you get to be equipped, you get to be filled up, you get to have a peace about you. And a lot of times when people come with me with the decision they are thinking about making, I, I just push it back on them. What do you think God is saying? And usually they know the answer, but it's a tough answer. It's, a, it's an answer that maybe doesn't make sense to the world. Maybe doesn't make sense financially. Right. But I tell them to follow the peace of God. If you have peace about it, if God is showing you something, then you will be miserable if you follow the quote answer that the world is trying to get you to do. And like you said yourself, when you took time off and it didn't make sense, that's where we find peace is when God shows us those things but we still have to walk through it. Just, and I talk about an open door analogy. God gives you door, open doors all the time. And a lot of times you, I, most of the time, you don't know what's past that open door. It looks scary. It looks dark. It looks like, I don't know what's beyond there. It looks scary, but God puts it in front of you and says, here's an open door. Will you walk through it? Right. Now there's no condemnation. If we don't walk through, we're still saved going to heaven. If we know Jesus, but at the same time, there's a blessing that follows when we walk through the door that God puts before us, because then there's another door. There's another door. And then before you know it, you can look back on 20 decisions you make and see the hand of God upon it in your life. 
but God doesn't tell you what's going to happen the next year, the next five years and praise God for that. Imagine if you told us at the beginning of 2020, when we're all making our 2020 vision statements, what was going to happen? We'd be freaked out. We're like, I don't want to go through this year. I'm going to curl up in a corner and die. But for the grace of God, we take it a day at a time. And then we're able to see on the other side of it, God's faithfulness. Yeah. The blessings always after I was told this story before we, when I recommitted my life to, to Christ back in 2000, end of 2010, I was having sex with my girlfriend. It was in a, in a terrible relationship. And uh, I didn't know about a book or about a nonprofit or anything. All I know is God told me to stop having sex. Mm. I was like, damn. And <laughs> of course I did. And looking back, the, the biggest, the biggest blessings of my life came from me of being obedient to that. So thank yeah. God that I listened. But, and the funny thing was, is going back to the devil. The devil came against me with basically the argument. He said, if you stop having sex with your girlfriend, you're going to turn into a man whore again. Yeah. And that'll be way worse than having sex with one girl. So you yeah. might as well just continue having sex with your girlfriend. And it, and it was so sensible. It, it made sense. It, like it was very believable. Yeah. And I chose not to listen. And again, thank God for that. But like the number one regret of the dying, Ronnie Wears wrote a book about it and not having the courage to live a life true to themselves. I often talk about that. Mm. And that, that is the most common regret from people when they die. And I think about, you know, that regret, it all stems around fear yeah. because they, and fear is from the enemy. So yep. they were listening, they listened to the enemy, the, the devil, that God was trying to get them open, go, opening those doors for them. Like you mentioned, trying to get them to walk through the door and they wouldn't do it because they were so scared. They were trying to see if I leave that job, then I, that's my paycheck. Or if I go move there or do that thing, how is this going to work? They were, they're trying to figure it out from the beginning. And, and you're right. God's not going to tell you. Yeah. There's a mix of God's sovereignty and free will that we don't understand, but there is a measure of free will that we have where God puts things in front of you and asks you to walk through them. Just yeah. because he knows the movie doesn't mean that negates our free will. But just because he's seen the movie ahead of time doesn't mean that it negates our free will in the moment. And so that's great what you said, because there are things that, and, and understand too, that as you walk in the path that God has for you, there will be spiritual attacks. God, Satan doesn't want you to walk in that path. He wants to get you out of there. And a lot of it's through condemnation. It's through guilt. It's through bringing up your past. It's through saying, you're not good enough. God doesn't, you, you didn't hear from God. God doesn't need you. Does any of this sound familiar? Like we all face this, even if you are in ministry, especially if you're in ministry, because Satan wants to take out the, the captains of the ship. Just understand that there is a, a real spiritual aspect to the decisions we make. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit we need to be grounded in the word of God. And like you said, have a daily time where we reflect on the Bible, on prayer, going before God. And there's, I'm guilty of this too. There's many times where I, okay, I read my Bible. I wrote, uh, I wrote in my journal and, but I forgot to pray. And, and, and there's no condemnation in that, but still understand what works for you and be faithful at that. There was times when I would read the Bible at the last five minutes of my night as I'm in bed, dozing off. And I'm like, ugh. This is not giving God my best. And so we talk a lot about giving God the best of your time, your talent, and your treasure. And so it's not just about money, but it's also what are the talents God has given you? How can you give back? Whether it's to the local church or whether starting a ministry or an organization, how can you give back with your talents and your time? Your time is valuable, but at the same time, how many of us can spend two hours watching a Netflix movie, but can't spend 10 minutes reading the Bible, right? I'm guilty of that as well. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we have to understand that it's not just about, oh, you need to do this. You need to follow these rules. No, it's not about rules. It's about relationship with Jesus. And right. that's where our, our, our focus needs to be, not just on doing these, this checklist so I can make it to heaven. No, but as we're here on earth, giving back because God has given so much to us. Yeah, that's the biggest misconception, I think, with the whole thing. And for at least for somebody that's outside the faith, because they do think it's do's and don'ts. Yeah, that's yeah. what I thought. 
but you don't realize like religion can't tell you who to date, who to marry. They can tell you the kind of person that you should marry, but they can't tell you the two between the two. They got two that you're weighing or move to this place or take this job or right. religion can't tell you those things. No, but a relationship with an all knowing creator that stripped at your life before you were even born. That's just mind blowing when you think about it. And yeah. he wants to tell you those things. He wants to make those decisions for you if you let them. And you might not like them in the moment though. Again, right. they might in the moment, I love the verse, no discipline seems pleasant at the time. A lot of times God will discipline you. He'll sit you down. He'll, you know, who knows what he'll do, but yeah, there's always a, a harvest later if you go through it. So how often do you fast? You fast a lot to hear like to enhance if you got a big decision you're trying to make. Yeah, for sure. And this is something that I'm growing in as well. I, I'm not good at it. Sorry, my camera's going to freak out here, I think. All right, I'm coming back. Hold on. Okay. Sorry about that. So yeah, for fasting, it's very important that we make it a part of our uh, daily life. And I, I don't mean fast every day, but just go before God and say, hi, I have a decision to make. How can I put this before you and just fast? Because when we fast and give ourselves away from our earthly pleasures of eating, we can be closer to God. And what I do is, is very simple. So uh, I'll fast one time, one day a week, I'll do two meals. It's on Thursday. I'll do breakfast, lunch, um, working my way to do more. Uh, I would love to do like a 10 day fast, a 30 day fast, maybe just a water only fast, but I really want to be called to it. I don't want to just do it for do it to do it. But at the same time, if you are faced with a major decision and you want to just empty yourself from the voices in your life and go before God with that decision, then definitely consider fasting. That's biblical. It's something that do it to get, but we do it to hear from God. And even if it's just, and so when I fast during the week on Thursday, then I give up those meals. And then during that time when I would normally eat, I make it a time to pray for that hour, half an hour, whatever it is. So find something that works for you, but don't just not fast at all for a year. Find a balance and find something that, that, that works for your routine and what God is calling you to do specifically. That's good. Yeah. I usually try it when I try to do it. And then I don't always do food, but oftentimes I do food. But I use the hunger pains if I'm doing food as a reminder, like to yeah. pray for that thing. And, and I think, you know, a lot of times God will show up and he'll just work it out in some weird way that you didn't even see. Like I think about Hagar when she, Abraham kicked her out, her right. and Ishmael, and she goes out to the wilderness and basically she was going to die. And then she sees there was a well there and she didn't see it though. God opened her eyes to see this well. Mm. So oftentimes there'll be solutions in your life that you won't be able to see unless he shows you. And yeah. for me, fasting gives me the peace of mind to know that I, will, I did everything in my power to hear from him versus just trying to pray and then hope that he answers. I'm like, I've gone to the point where I'm going to not eat for a day because I'm that desperate for you to answer. And then I have complete peace of mind that I pretty much did everything I could to make the right decision. Tell me about a time that you made it or God told you to do something that didn't make sense. Starting my ministry and then also leaving my job. So those are the biggest ones recently for me. It didn't make sense at all to leave my job with financially, with security, with all the things I had invested in it. It did not make any sense to leave. And so that's where it really became a thing of God, what are you saying? And I even put fleeces before God, which is not as biblical because Gideon did them, but I, I don't say that do it every time and expect that God has to honor it. But I still do, I still do it in the fact that, hey, God, this, this may not be the only way you speak through me, but also if you choose to. Great, because now it becomes much more apparent. So there Did was a couple, of, yeah, there was a couple of fleeces I put before God that were pretty big, and uh, He answered them. 
so, so you that, actually put a fleece out and it, it was wet around <laughs> it not, oh, seriously you did it like Gideon no these are asking for asking for big signs from God that could only sure. be him but can you, share, uh, can you share one yeah let me think here one of them was one of them was a, a sign from someone else basically a word from someone else and there was someone at church that went to my wife and said I don't know what this means but Tim is the man for the job hmm. And no one knew that I, I I was looking at this job at the church. It had been open for years at this point and, and no one knew that I was seeking it. And so for that to be that clear, it's like, all right, God, I see what you're trying to say here. I'm going right. for the job. So it's just something as, as small, but as, that's pretty powerful in my mind. So I'll tell you a story because I've uh, oftentimes what I'll do is I'll do uh, I'll flip a coin because if I'm 50, 50 on a decision, I'll flip a coin because in the Bible, they cast at lots. That's pretty much the same thing. They were rolling dice. That's why they picked the 12th disciple when Judas died. They rolled dice, which yeah. is crazy. You think it's, but it, it's actually a real thing. And if God is sovereign and he controls even the flip of a coin. So oftentimes I'll do that. And sometimes I'll be like, God, give me two heads in a row. If it's, you know, <laughs> one more of a sign, but I'll be honest, my, this is, I don't know if it makes me look the best, but my grandmother was sick. She was in Florida. She was sick. Mm -hmm. And my mom and my uncle decided that they wanted me to drive down and see her. And I had a bunch of stuff to do work-wise. And I, but I was like, maybe I should go. I wasn't sure. So I was like, all right, God, if you want me to go, have it land on heads three times in a row. <laughs> so I, I had this online, no, actually I flipped, it was a physical coin. Sometimes I'll use the online coin flipper on my phone, but I actually flipped the physical coin three times, landed on heads. And I was like, I really didn't want to go to Florida. I did not want to. And I was like, God, forgive me. It was almost like Gideon. I was like, forgive me for asking. But if this is you, have it land on tails three times in a row. I flipped it three times. It landed on tails three times in a row. I was like, packed my bag and I went. Like, it was to me, that was undeniable. What are the odds that that comes? It has to be like several thousand, if not a million to one. That both of those would happen like that. So yeah. Anyway, if I've, you're out there, I've, yeah, I've coin. done it too, where you open the Bible and then you hope that the first you you point your finger on is one that God speaks to you in. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's not going to work every time, but it's also where something God may talk to you in that moment right. and give you something. So just be open to the fact that. <laughs> And I made a funny TikTok video on this too, where it's like, God, I need to hear from you. And I open and say, oh no, that's not from you. Try again. <laughs> and then on the third one, it's like, oh, thank you, God, for your blessings. It's yeah, funny. Absolutely. So I want to switch gears a little bit. The Bible makes it clear that God uh, or why God sends a strong delusion in the end times. Yeah. Whoops. As a pastor, how do you see the state of the current church as a whole? It's in a tough shape as far as the church at large. And I'm just speaking about the American church because that's where I live. But just from what I see, and I'm, I'm connected with social media, so I see all kinds of stuff. And granted, it's not the best perception of sometimes the church. But at the same time, there's a big falling away as far as considering the Bible to be the in, inspired word of God, infallible in its nature. And uh, I see that cutting to the core of the foundation of the Bible. And then what do you have left? So if you don't have the Bible, Jesus then becomes just something you make of him. Right. How do you know that what he said was what he said, other than just the fact that now it becomes this thing where I just get to decide Jesus was just a good teacher. And I even did a video on this recently about deconstructionism, about this term called exvangelical, and about this term called the uni the universal, which sounds interesting as, oh yeah, well, Jesus is for everybody. But no, the universal Jesus is, from what I've researched, is very big twisting, where Jesus is not God, he is a path to God, where some of them even say that his resurrection didn't happen, but 
because of him being resurrected spiritually, we can be resurrected ourselves. So this is complete heresy, but it's done under the umbrella of Christian, right? There's a movement called progressive Christianity too, which is not new. It's not progressive at all. It's actually old twistings on mystic new age practices, that kind of stuff that's now infiltrated the church. So we have to be very careful when you hear things like that, where God or Jesus is not God, the Bible is not infallible, not the, the, not the inspired word of God. That is a red flag. We're talking about thousands of years of Orthodox Christianity that have not talked about these things. There's always been subsects of people that have said this, but for it to infiltrate the first where people can think that, oh, I can be Christian and still do what I want to do. We're not having conviction of sin, not having these things where I can just have my cake and eat it too, and still have a go to go to heaven free card. Uh, that's not Christianity. And so that's my biggest concern is that we take away what makes Christianity special, which is the fact that we worship Jesus who came, who died, who rose again, who is God. Right. Um, and he died for our, the forgiveness of sins so that we don't have to go to heaven. And that's the biggest thing that I see. And it, it starts off small. It starts off and, and granted, a lot of this comes, especially with this term exvangelical, it comes from abuses in the church. We have to understand too, that because Christians, and because the church may have hurt you, does not mean that was Jesus. I even did a, a little devotional on this called Hurt by Christians, which you can find on the Version app, just a five-day thing on overcoming hurt. I've been through it. Just about everybody, if you've been in church for a while, been hurt by Christians. But you have to understand, too, that the Christians, including yourself, including me, we're all going through this process where we're not going to say the right thing. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to hurt other people. And, and that comes from a place of where we're still in the sanctification process, where we still have to die to self daily. But understand that Jesus will never hurt you. Jesus is the, the, the one we keep our eyes to. And Paul even said, if Jesus did not raise from the dead, that we are considered to be, we are, yeah, exactly. So the, the resurrection has to happen. Otherwise, we're doing this for nothing. Jesus has to be God. Otherwise, uh, yeah, we're in this for nothing. If those major tenets of the faith now, granted, there's primary tenets of the faith, which is what I'm talking about. Then there's secondary tenets of the faith, which are things we can debate vigorously without having to divide over. Things sure. like the end times, the yes. gifts of the spirit, once saved, always saved. These are things that are across denominations, but are still under the umbrella of Orthodox Christianity. And I see a lot of times the extreme example too, where if you don't believe exactly what I believe, then you're a false teacher. Right. And the false teacher term gets thrown around so much. It's really frustrating to me. And what I what I would encourage people to is to say that I love this term in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, and in all things, charity, meaning uh, let's stay focused on what our foundation is in the faith, uh, debate with other people. If you don't agree on with Bethel or Elevation or these churches that sometimes get the mainstream of hate against Christians, then don't go to them. Don't listen to their stuff. Do what God is calling you to do in your church, but at the same time, don't People looking from the outside in hate to see Christians at odds with one another and fighting because they're like, why do I want to join? Right. Why do I want to be a Christian if there's just going to be this infighting among each other? So we have to focus on love, on unity. There's, there's It's not that at the expense of truth, unity does not mean that you uh, give, a, give away truth, but it means that you can embrace both love and truth together to make a softer approach as you spread the word of God. Yeah, that's so good. I actually did an Instagram post the other day and it said we get, because of Jesus, we get unlimited chances to get it right. It's when we try to redefine what right is when things go left, because that's what you have people trying to do. It's a look, you can fail a million times. You can sin and get up and try again and sin over and over. And because of Jesus, we have forgiveness. The one thing that you cannot do is redefine what is sin and what is not sin. And that really, if you go back to the knowledge, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, 
that was really the, basically what God was saying. He's like, look, you can have from every other tree. You can't have from this tree because I'm God. I get to decide what good and evil is, not you. So people want to say, I think it's okay to do this. Or maybe the interpretation didn't mean that. Or all that BS doesn't fly. You have to go with, I'm a fundamentalist. Uh, but there are disputable matters, like you mentioned. So uh, like I I'll cuss on social media because I don't think it means anything. I think it's the intention behind the word. I don't, you know, these words didn't even exist when the Bible was written. Somebody decided that it was a cuss word. I think if I call you a dumb, that's a sin. But if I stub my toe and say at the S word, I don't think that, that really matters because it doesn't yeah. mean anything. It might be like the equivalent of chewing with my mouth open. It's crude, <laughs> uh, but I don't think it's sin. But did you hear about Furtig recently saying that yeah. I am God almighty? Oh man, I'm glad you brought that? this up because I just researched this over the weekend. Yeah. What was that about? Because I, I haven't even had a chance. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. So I saw this all over TikTok, people duetting it, people sharing it. Like he says, I am God almighty. And I thought to myself, it's a small soundbite that had to be taken out of context. Same. That's what um, I was Or maybe he's saying it on behalf of God saying it. I am God almighty. You are mine or whatever. I thought it was taken out of context probably. So I listened to the whole sermon thinking I could do a rebuttal video saying, hey, you guys took this out of context. And I think at this point he had to have misspoken. It wasn't the context. It was about him being in covenant with God. And then he said, I am God almighty. And so I think it had to have been taken out of context because there's nothing, there's not any meat there where I can say, hey, you guys didn't listen to the, the thing after it. No, I listened to the full thing and it's, it had to be a mis, mis, misspeak on his part. I think he should come forward and say, hey, I misspoke. I don't think I'm God almighty. Uh, I think it's ridiculous to think that he thinks he's God almighty, but at the same time, we are accountable to our words and being in a position he's in. I think he should come forward and say, Hey, this is silly, but I misspoke. Obviously I'm not God almighty or whatever, just to come forward. I think that would be the best thing at this point. Yeah. Now yeah. I haven't seen a, I haven't seen a history because there are people out there and you mentioned the false teacher thing. And I can't stand when people, there's people, I, there's people that I even had on my podcast. I don't want to mention names. But they do videos about people being false teachers, so T.D. Jakes or Fertig or Joel Osteen. And I'm like, I just feel like run your race, bro. If right. you just do, because usually the people that are criticizing aren't doing a whole lot because they're so busy. Right. If I look at Jesus's life, the Pharisees were so worried about what he was doing that they weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing. He wasn't, Jesus wasn't focused on anybody else. He was focused on the mission. So when I see Christians like throwing rocks at other Christians, I'm like, why don't you just worry about your race? Because if you worry about what you're supposed to do, you'll be so busy that you won't have time to criticize that guy. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah, there, there's a big movement of that. And, and at some point, I don't, you do a lot of those videos myself. I did one recently on Kevin Max coming out and saying he was ex-evangelical because I didn't know what that term meant. And so it really was a more of a looking into these terms that I mentioned before. So I did a video on that and then said, hey, we need to pray for him because obviously he's a little lost right now. Yeah. Uh, but it wasn't to call him out. And I think that people that make their whole ministry based on calling out people like Joel Osteen. Now, am I going to read a Joel Osteen book or listen to his messages? No, but at the same time, God doesn't need me to police everybody for him. The people that are in your life that he gives you a seat at the table for, disciple them with love. But you can't do that with love on social media. It comes across as judgmental. And as Christians, we can judge, but it has to be done with love and truth. Yeah. I don't know about the, the, the uh, guy you mentioned, but uh, if, there, if I was to make a video, it, I think it's one thing if somebody confesses that they're an ex like this guy, Joshua Harris, that I kissed dating goodbye. Yeah. I think he's a complete douche because he, he wrote this book. He made all this money and then he <laughs> basically rebutted it. And then he says that he's not a Christian anymore. I'm like, you're a jerk. Bro, you know, like, I hated that book. I was in youth group when he wrote that book and all the girls were reading it. None of them wanted to date. 
And so I'm like, oh, I'm trying to get a Christian girl, but none of them want to date because of this book. So oh, you yeah, killed your was, dating life. You killed your teen life. Killed my teen life. Man. Fortunately, I didn't date Christians back in my teens. So. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So let's talk about, let me ask you one more last question. Okay. There are a lot of single moms out there and we know that statistics suggest that kids without a father figure have a greater risk of facing major challenges in life. I'm actually yeah. raising a, a home without a father. As a church, we have a calling to the fathers. How do we help discipline them, or I'm sorry, disciple them in our communities? It's a great question. There's not one answer that I will say, but I will say a couple of different things is one is there is a huge need for fostering. My, I'm going to call out my sister in a good way, but she was in her forties, has two grown adult kids and then started fostering. And we're all, you're crazy. What are you doing? And it's, it's turned into this 10 plus year journey where she's fostered. I can't even tell you how many kids. And then she's adopted multiple ones as well. And you look at her life now and it's crazy, but she says herself, like she just has to do what God is calling her to do. And there's, it's like, what is, what are six kids going to do in a foster care system that has thousands? What's going to do something in those six kids lives. It's going to be the life, life and difference between life and death. There is a big need for fostering. There's a big need for just being involved. If there's coaching programs or something near us, a sports program called Paladin, you can go and be a coach because it's also Christian based. So you teach them about God in between games, or as you pray before games, that kind of stuff. You can be a coach. You can help disciple. There's never a shortage in churches of youth workers, right? (laughs) Whether it's younger kids or the youth groups, there's always a place that you can be involved in, even if it's for one day a week. And I would also say too, if there's something on your heart specifically that God's giving you, do something about it. Don't wait for someone else to do it. There's no shortage of people that come up to pastors and say, we should have this program at the church. And pastors should say, well, great. Thank you for wanting to start that, right? There's someone in our church that started something called Life Care, where it's literally just going to people's houses and fixing broken things. It might fix a washing machine, an air conditioning, fix a car, go move them from one place to another, strictly to serve our community. And this was on the hearts of two of my good friends, and, and they just wanted to start it. And they asked for the blessing of the church, obviously, to come under, the, the, under, under their shepherding. And then the other thing is someone else in their church wants to start a program that is like Boy Scouts, where fathers will get to meet with younger boys and do manly things, maybe archery, maybe how to chop wood, things like that, and disciple them as well. Yeah, there is no shortage, but you, and, and don't feel like you're not equipped to do it because if you are, so we're talking about men here, if you are a man trying to help younger kids or moms, just ask to be involved, ask how you can help and just do it. Awesome, man. My pastor actually says, do for one what you wish you could do for all. Yeah. I think that's how we let ourselves off the hook. Oh, what, like, what difference am I going to make? But okay, tell people where they can find you, Tim. Yeah, you can find me on all social medias. Just type in Discerning Dad. You'll find me, I'm sure. Uh, Discerning-Dad is the website where you can connect with all my stuff. Uh, my podcast is all on all podcasting platforms called Everyday Discernment. My book, Everyday Discernment, is on Amazon. And then if you want a free uh, 14-day de- devotional, go to eyesonjesusdevotional.com. And there's a free 14-day uh, devotional there for you, which sneak peek will be a full-size uh, devotional book this fall. So nice. Nice. I'll put that link in the show notes, but I appreciate you coming on and sharing your wisdom. It's great to meet you. Hopefully uh, I'll make it out there to Arizona. Yeah, man. Definitely send me a message. We can have dinner. Thank you for having me on. It was a blessing. Thank you. Absolutely.